Hello and welcome to the 37th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their starting industry, what the influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Chaos Ride by Scott Games. Oh, yes, um, slight technical problem at the beginning of this interview. I know, shocking, happens sometimes. But uh, the first sort of ten minutes of the audio was was just not good. It's horrible, scrambled. Fortunately, it recovers, uh, but only just as uh, our guest Scott Harbour from Scott Games um, he uh, starts talking about his influences. So I'll give you a little bit of background of, of his work. He's been working in the industry for many many years as as a, as a technical artist, and he used to work for Criterion Games for. A, Many many years, uh, and he worked on Burnout and all sorts of games. And we talked about all this, all those sorts of things. It's very 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 interesting. Sadly, it's just not audible, not usable. It just it was just garbled mess. So rather than horrible white noise, I just cut it out, and it got me talking to you now. So let's return now to the show where we carry on talking about Scott's influences as a video game. Developer. I remember somebody saying, you know, if you're going to make a game, it should be something that you yourself would want to play. So, in that regard, that's always been the thing that sort of dictated my uh, creative process. You know, if I'm, if it's something I'd actually want to see and actually want to try and actually want to play, then I'm more likely to, you know, put that extra bit of effort and that extra bit of passion into it. And end up with a better result and it becomes much clearer in terms of how i want it to look and how i want it to play so you know a lot of the questions sort of answer themselves to an extent yeah it's definitely you know it's like musicians inspired by other musicians and directors inspired by other directors it's just a self-fulfilling sort of feeding frenzy <laughs> right and that's great that's fine um so speaking of which we said you looked at other games and inspired by other games what or who do you admire in the industry as a, as a thing or a person or as a company? Who's the, who, who do you think, they seem to be doing things rather well, they should carry on doing that, that'd be great? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just from, from my own experience, especially when looking at other developers, it's a case of, you know, a studio can always look like a super awesome, well-oiled machine on the outside. And then you visit the place and just sort of lift the lid on it. And you're like, oh, my God, what's going on in there? Yeah. And <laughs> so it doesn't as a reflect rule, the output at all. Like, oh, God. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> I, pretty, I pretty much tend to judge entirely on the output rather than on the studio or the developers because, you know, I have no idea what's gone into making that product and I kind of don't want to know because it will affect my judgment of the final result. Could be a festering pit of filth. And exactly. And uh, there was that issue with the, the EA spouse all those years ago where the woman was having to – her husband was working 18 hours a day or something on a project. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, sorry, cool. She was working at EA as well at the time. She was. Yeah. Yeah. I think they ended up getting a divorce. 
But anyway, yeah. It's a shame. <laughs> it is a shame. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so who, yeah, regardless of like what's going on underneath the bonnet, <laughs> let's not look underneath there. What, yeah. uh, what, who do you most admire, do you think? Who do I most admire? Right now, probably uh, Rockstar North. Because, um, like, G- GTA V is, you know, while the game itself isn't perfect, it's like the main progression is just a series of escort missions, which is kind of dull. But at the same time, it's the game you can drop into and just do anything you like. And they've literally thought of everything. And, you know, no matter what you try or what you think of, there's gameplay code in there or design in there that accommodates it. So it's like someone's put in the thought and the effort into making every part of this thing absolutely brilliant and engaging to the player, while not necessarily relevant to the main story or the main design. And I just think that's a very impressive triumph. Yeah, there's very few open world games that do it, pull it off well. Exactly. Of course, GTA is is the... Not the birth of them, because that's elite. You and I know this. Of course. But um, it certainly nailed it, even with the first one. I mean, the very first one. Not GTA 3, I'm talking about the first one. GTA 1. GTA <laughs> 1. Um, that was uh, that was an eye-opener as well. It just it morphed into things they, they didn't know it was going to be. They were just messing around with some technology. Uh, I remember seeing a documentary about it, how they were just like, well, what if we could sort of move around a landscape with, and then have a kind of a 2.5D sort of landscape that has tower blocks sort of projecting from it, and then we could ride around in it. That would be fun. And that's how it started. That's how the best games all start. It's just, some... just someone messing about and then, hey, I can make something out of this. Yeah. Another similar story. You know the game Euridium? On the I don't know it. Yeah, it's an old, old Commodore 64 game, but on, on the title screen, there was this little logo of the name of the game called Iridium. And it was just this really, it was doing something that a Commodore 64 shouldn't be able to do, in theory. Yeah. Like, well, what? And some developer looked at that and he, he was just enamored by it. Like, how was that done? How? And then he reverse engineered the whole code and then. Realised what what it was doing, and he he made a big sort of drum, like a big drum that expanded this this little tiny thing and turned it into this big sort of like like a a, a drum of a a cylinder, big cylinder, and then he put it on its end and then created another game called Nebulous, which is basically a platformer that you jump up and you around a rotating drum. It was you know mind boggling, all from a little logo on another game that he saw. So. It's, Fantastic. Yeah, that kind of stuff just blows my mind. So my next question, and I think you've already answered it. <laughs> Normally happens, a lot of developers are kind of smart and they sort of project ahead like, hang on, you've read these questions? It's very strange. Um, the next question is my favourite one because it gets a hint about what sort of drives you, although sometimes I get some really weird answers to it. Not weird, but just uh, left field. Um, what are you playing right now? Apart from Chaos Radicals. Of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I know as I said you've already answered it, you've been banging on about GTA five. So I suspect uh, that's what you've been playing. Actually, recently I've been playing a lot of Saints Row Four. Ah. It, it's GTA but more so. It it doesn't have all the same care and attention that's been placed into every individual aspect of it. 
but you can telekinetically throw buses around and leap over skyscrapers, and it just has a charm all of its own. It does, and it's yeah. not silly. Um. <laughs> it's, it's like the designers just took the safety brakes off everything and just started throwing everything they had at it, and I just kind of love it for that. Because they could. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they didn't have to be too much of their own. They, they didn't have to do the satire route because GTA has done that. Yes. Yeah. Well, we can't do that, but we can do slapstick and a little bit of satire. Brilliant. We go with that. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then of course, um, Sleeping Dogs, which is a similar sort of open world sort of driving title, that does has to, has amazing combat. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, really, really good melee combat. That's which is what the other games really haven't really conquered. Whereas you know you you feel like you're punching people very hard in the face. <laughs> playing Sleeping Dogs. Um, anything else? Anything else? Um, so I started playing Alien Isolation over the weekend. Okay. And um, how have you found that? Is it... I mean, people tell him, saying, oh, it's rather long, which I find quite amusing in these day and age. Yeah. You know, you play Skyrim for 500 hours. You didn't see that was long. That's different! <laughs> how is it different? You spent 500 hours playing Skyrim and you're playing this game 20 hours long. Anyway... For another time, how are you? Is it? I mean, did you do? You, have you seen the first film? Not a stupid question. Cause I like, haven't actually. Um, see, I, I haven't seen the first two, but came in around three and four and the versus Predator movies. Well, Needless go- to say, I don't have a huge <laughs> attachment to the Alien franchise because I've only seen the bad ones. Yes, you but have. Yeah, I I do really like I do really like the art style. Basically, I mean, it's it's one of the things that. Um, sort of lends itself to video games is whenever you do the sci-fi horror, the idea of the sort of perfect geometric world torn apart by graffiti and bloodstains and alien goo, it, it is just like the go-to art style for sort of showing off everything you can do. You know, Bioshock did it, Dead Space did it, Alien Resur- uh, Alien Isolation does it really well as well. How... I've got some... Oh, sorry. It's just... How have you found the... CRT monitors and the old weird 1970s technology everywhere. <laughs> I thought I thought it was uh, an actually actually a very clever nod because um, yeah. one of the things I I noticed at the very beginning when they show the 20, 20th century Fox logo and the Creative Assembly logo and everything. Yes, they do all that in sort of VHS vision as well. They do, yes, yeah. and I just. I thought that that's just like a very sort of clever, very subtle bit of art direction that will go over a lot of people's heads. It's like, cause the movie didn't have that as far as I'm aware, but it's like any of the people who are old enough to have seen alien, but are young enough to be playing games probably only saw the movie on VHS when they were younger. They wouldn't have seen it in the cinema. I mean, I'm, I'm 34 and I was too young to have seen it in the cinema yeah. So in order to pitch to that demographic, they've shown it as they would remember it rather than as it actually was. So they put that VHS filter on the intro presentations. I just thought it was a very, very nice touch. It's like a retro future thing for me, because you look exactly. at it and go, why have they got crappy tea? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> why is it? Oh, right. Okay. That, that makes, oh, yeah, it gives it that. Authentic retro makes no sense feel to it because <laughs> they wouldn't possibly back in the seventies. Someone said, "See, it's this flat screen. I'm now going to burn you as a witch." 
That's okay. <laughs> you know, I do say to people, if you went back with your phone, your smart smartphone, ten years, there will be legitimately have grounds to burn you. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? You it's just a phone. That's not a phone. It really. Oh, please stop beating me. Um, but, and I do feel that you know, I, I I loved I loved the first film. It has it does have problems, but it ultimately is a schlock horror film. Let's face it. Um, well, that's, that's a bit dismissive, but it's a very t- intense um, you know horror film. That there's aspects of it didn't quite make sense. Like, why did Ripley? you know, decide to blow up the whole ship. I don't... Why? Just... Uh, she'd already ejected the alien from the airlock. I don't... Never understood why they did that. There's some there plot problems in that film. But nonetheless, it was very much way ahead of its time. And it was up there with the likes of Blade Runner and stuff like that. So it's an iconic, iconic film. Yeah, definitely. And you're... Obviously, I mean, how do you feel about the, the the fact that, you know, you look at your motion tracker, then you look ahead of you and there's a soft focus in and out of that. I thought that was genius. And that's that's a good design thing, don't you think? Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I haven't actually got that far in yet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense because yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like the flashlight on Doom 3. You know, you, <laughs> you can't shoot and look at the same time, so you have to plan ahead whenever you're going to take your eye off the ball. Two words, duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> we had to do. Yeah. It's fine. They did actually mod. They did actually they did. do a duct tape mod they, in the end. They did. They, they did, yeah. yeah. Total <laughs> pop out. Total. I do remember when that game came out when it was like, oh, it's so scary. Like, really? It's just monster boxes. That's what Doom is. Doom is ever scary. It's just silly. Um, but yeah, Doom was my, a lot of um, fond memories of the original Doom because that's the first ever land game I ever played. So uh, I remember discovering the first ever Telefrag. Like, oh god, that was crazy! How did you die? Well, you followed me into Yuki. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's not fair. This is Doom. <laughs> when is Doom fair? <laughs> okay, so yeah, well, um, well, best of luck with that then. I mean, you played it in the dark on your own, or what? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> even worse than that, I'm, I'm playing it on my projector on an eight-foot screen, so that just makes it so much worse. God, just asking for trouble. I know. That's going to end in tears. Definitely uh, going to end in tears. I really wish I could have given the Oculus version a go at EGX, because that sounds terrifying in all the right ways. I don't use any kind of... Um, I don't go when I go to expos, and I go to a lot of expos. It could be PAX, E3, all, all sorts of things. Um, but I don't actually do do the any Oculus Rift stuff because of pink eye. <laughs> pink eye. Yeah, you know, basically an eye infection due to fecal matter entering into your eyeball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you think I'm joking? This happened at PAX two years ago. 
they, 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 you know, when Oculus Rift first came into being and they were demonstrating it, and then there was this rampant spread of pink eye throughout the because everyone it was just gross. And like ever since then, I have this completely unfounded irrational fear of getting pink eye from a VR unit at an expert. So, so, so <laughs> hold on, hold on. For, for that to have worked, someone would have somehow had to have gotten fecal matter onto the lens in the first place. Correct. How do you think they did that? So either someone went in with poo on their eye. Yeah, no, no, they, or they actually in. pooed on the kit. <laughs> Then what they did is they go to the toilet, don't wash their hands. Oh, yeah, touch the lens. and then... Touch the lens, there we are. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got you thinking like, oh, shit. Yeah, now you've got me paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> so when I do it, I just don't, I have like, like they go, oh, God, no, 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 why? And I tell them this story and look at me as if I'm insane. Like, I'm not lying. Look it up. Pax Pink Eye. It's there. It happened. It was gross. I'm not having that. It's gross. So we haven't had... I don't care. I don't care. Don't give me evidence, because that's just not... This isn't rational. (laughs) Sounds perfectly rational. (laughs) (laughs) On that really foul and disgusting note, thank you for listening. Uh, We're now going to move on to the second half of the show, where we indeed talk about... Chaos, right. This is, there's four, there's actually five questions, but the first one is ultra easy, and then this ramps up. Like I said, you're, you're kind of like your game, really. Um, and no pun intended, actually no pun intended for ramping up, because that makes sense. Um, so the, f- the first question is actually called the zeroth question, because it's not really a question. It's actually your, I give you now the floor to pitch your game. So off you go. Tell us about Chaos Ride. What is it? Okay. So Chaos Ride is a first-person racing game. Uh, As far as I'm aware, it's also one of the fastest racing games ever made. So the whole idea of it is that it's based on the crazy arcade racing games that nobody makes anymore. So imagine, like, the best bits of Wipeout, F-Zero, Extreme G, um, Ballistics, and just mush them all together and just imagine what that kind of game would be like, and then stop imagining because it totally exists and I'm making it. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Oh, yeah. I was thinking other games like Pod, Roll Cage, a couple of those games as well. Reminds me of those uh, when I'm playing it. I definitely, definitely Pod. Probably don't remember that, but. I'm going to look that one up. Yeah. That Pod, because that was. You, you seem to have the same graphical stylings as pod and it was this really weird ubisoft game and uh it was very french but it was also just like of that era of the uh mid 90s um it's just when 3d accelerators were coming into play and 
when Tomb Raider was just coming out, that kind of era. You remember yeah. that? That sort of like there was this stag- staggering into the realm of 3D and like, what is this? We can make a T Rex. Brilliant! Let's shoot it. <laughs> uh, and then also the, they realised they could make some amazing driving games with some physics that didn't really work very well but didn't matter and Pod was one of those um, and uh, your game when I play it or I say Chaos Ride when I play it brings me back memories more than that, that more than anything it, it doesn't have the same mechanics at all which we'll, we'll speak about in a moment but it definitely has the same kind of uh, momentum and feel and like this is just stupid but let's just keep going with it <laughs> which is basically it's basically my company's mantra in a nutshell right there yeah. <laughs> it's just a bit, but let's just go with it um, um i went to a screening of a film called bedroom to billionaires or bedroom to billions which is a film that's been made that talks about the evolution of video game development in Britain from 1980, well, 1979 to present day. And uh, it's fascinating. Um, some people are a little bit sort of jaded after all these years going, I can't believe all this stuff happened. Uh, <laughs> but what's interesting, the reason I raise it, the reason I mention it, is yeah, you're now here. You've made this game. You coded it all by yourself. I mean, everything, right? Yeah. From from the and similarly, these people from thirty years ago had these little eight bit computers, which we now power our microwaves. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a really high, that's really past microwave as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and they did the same kind of stuff. You know, they just sat in front of the computer screen with, unlike you know, they didn't have libraries; they just had assembly in their heads. Um, so that's even more scary or machine coders though back then but they still squeezed out I say squeezed out they made these extraordinary games um, purely by their own volition their own drive their own desire to make better games compared to what was being made at the time which was guff apparently that's what drove them Um, it's just to see that hang on I could do better than this I don't think I'm getting that from you at all uh, I think you actually want to go, I might put thoughts or words into your mouth, but I get the impression when I'm playing Chaos Ride and, and uh, the whole atmosphere of it is that, can we just get back to what makes games um, absorbing and fun and, and strip out all the all the fluff and the flannel? It's a very English way of saying it, but you know what I mean? It's just get rid of all the flannel. Let's just get to the point. Why am I playing this again? <laughs> Why am I doing? Why am I standing in front of a cabinet or holding my 3DS or whatever I may be? Why am I so absorbed? I almost missed my bus or my my train stop, what have you, because I'm so absorbed. What's and that's that's what I think. Chaos Ride does it. Just lets you, if you don't, you will actually play badly. It's like you know another game. Super Hexagon's a bit like that. You don't play Super Hexagon. You can't. You have to just relax. <laughs> you have to just let your fingers take over. <laughs> you have to listen to the music very, very, very carefully, very, very hard, and just let it wash over you, and you'll be a, a, a savant at, at that game. If yeah. you start playing it, it will kill you. Like, what are you doing? I'm think. don't think. What are, you, what are you thinking? Are you plotting? Are you strategizing? And I'm finding that with Chaos Ride as well, that if you play it... It, it actually 
it's if you actually you have to let, let it go because what I want to get to about is really the idea of this is my first sort of leading up to my first question, which is really about where did the idea of momentum be the core component of Chaos Ride? Because let's describe the game here. You're actually a motorcycle or hover cycle thing uh, from the future uh, that is in a tube, a bit like a you know, water slide, only much bigger, of course, much, much bigger, more robust. And technically, now you may yell at me when I say this, go you on. can't go off track because it's not physically possible. That's right. Right. It means that you don't know where your boundaries are. So the the boundary is the idea is you have to keep your momentum going based on where you are physically in that tube, because gravity is you know it's still there, but you need to find you need to keep on that cusp of gravity well sort of thing. So where did that come from? Is that where it all where the game started and it was built around that? So. Oddly enough, the uh, the momentum mechanic was just a workaround that ended up being the key feature of the game. So when I first started this thing, I had basically a one line a one line sentence that that determines exactly what the focus of the game would be and what would dictate everything that goes into it. And that line was, "I want to drive a Tron cycle through the Matrix at a thousand miles an hour." And I got the hover bike in there and. I got the environment in there and started playing. As soon as I got past 100 miles an hour, couldn't take any of the corners because by the time you see them, you've already passed through them. Yeah. So I thought, okay, let's put the whole thing in tubes because then you don't have to worry about the corners because they'll take you around. Yeah. I did that, and then the obvious happened. You don't need to steer anymore. You just hold down the accelerator, and you'll do the same distance every time. Yes. So I toyed with the idea of just like putting – you know, glowing boost pads on the ground everywhere, like Wipeout does. But well, you know, there are a lot been, of games already doing that. And it, yeah, that it would have been F Zero. Like, I sort of jump in there. I think I know Wipeout <laughs> does it, but when I see booster pads, I automatically think either Mario Kart or, or F Zero. I'm not a Nintendo fanboy. It's just that one of those things. Yeah, that all, all, all the games of that genre tend to do that. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, F Zero does it. Wipeout does it. There's another indie title coming called Radial G that also does it as well. Right. Um, so, you know, I want to come at it from something completely different and hopefully something that hasn't been seen before. So the whole momentum thing came in and I was thinking, you know, what if you just go faster when you're going downhill and then slower uphill? And I put that in and that felt pretty good, but then uphills felt really frustrating. Mm. So I thought, what if I made the gravity relative to the player rather than to the world so they can go upside down when going uphill and it'll speed them up. I put that in makes no sense in terms of real world physics, but feels right when you're playing it. And then the thing with the corners is just basically bobsled physics. I just started stealing ideas from that to fill in the blanks. And then the rest just kind of snowballed from there. See, that's how it happens. It's just, it sometimes it starts with a kernel of idea and expand, expands from that. Whereas you were just like, oh, I want to make a racing game. Oh god, that's not working. What if I make it really fast? Oh no, that doesn't work at all. What if I put it in a tube? Oh, it's a bit dull. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that then, was basically the first week of development, right there. <laughs> yeah, none of your whiteboard nonsense. No. Just, just do it. Just, yeah. just, just keep on making this stuff. Iterate, iterate, iterate until you get what you what you have. I mean, um, next question. Then, I told you it wraps up. Uh, 
How do you believe Chaos Ride communicates to the player the level of success and vice versa? So how do you... I have my own opinions, but I'd like to hear what you... What, what does it do? What do you do to communicate to the player what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong? Okay, so depending on which version of the game we're talking about, that changes. So there was... Uh... There was the build that I showed at EGX, which yeah. was, you know, like alpha and not completely done. And I could see people were having issues with working out what, what was being shown there. And then there's the mobile versions of the game, which were like an iteration behind that as well. Because um, it's also out on mobile, by the way. It is. We'll talk about that right at the end. Get the right. game. Sorry. Sorry. It's um, not. <laughs> but the, but the, uh, the latest version, the version that people will actually see when the full version goes on release, um, Basically, I use the speed to communicate how the player is doing. Right. Because, um, you know, this, this game has no pretensions. It's about just going really, really fast. And if you're going really, really fast and not crashing, then you're winning. Otherwise, you're not. And that's basically all it does to communicate. So, you know, if you find yourself, you know, going slower, um, you know, the handling will become slightly worse. And, you know, you're... You'll hear a you'll hear the commentator saying you know you're behind speed up and it'll you know in in the training levels it will actually even show you the route you should be going to so you know I'm, I'm doing a load of assists at at the start to to try and communicate that stuff better but the idea is that when the player is a few races in and feels confident about what they're doing they'll be able to tell how they're doing by how fast they're going and you know how it affects the gameplay. That's the key. What I found with the game is just that that feedback and it's a it's a really tough thing to design in games i find a lot of developers are so deep in the woods they can't actually see come on that's obvious uh, no. yeah <laughs> but uh, that, that's basically what happened to me at egx <laughs> <laughs> can't you see no yeah i can't why is it slowing down because you're upside down how do I know I'm upside down? Because, oh, because it's, yeah. I, I tell you what, like day one when I got back, day one when I got back there, I just put chevrons on every corner specifically yeah. for that reason. You know, it's like you need to this. but it could go. I know, but you need that, that, that. All right, okay. There, there's no right. shame in being completely artless when it comes to gameplay. Just communicate to the player what they're doing, and they'll find the fun. Yeah, uh, I don't want to get to another game but it's a game I've been playing reviewed recently called Minimum which is just pure just gets to the the core of the game itself it's a third person shooter game and it's just gets to all the everything's made out of simple blocks there's no textures nothing <laughs> it's just like forget all the fluff do you like shooting things and chopping people's heads off with swords yes go 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 <laughs> and that's what I get with Chaos Ride although Although there are lots of textures, it's a very pretty game. Yeah, there, there are lots of textures. It's just but, making yeah. it clear, but it is, it is definitely a case of ready, steady, go like the wind, fly. Otherwise, <laughs> you'll, you know, you'll, 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 you'll lose. There's no weapons of any kind, right? Nope. It's just so, uh, yeah. Well, there you is can make, You can make people explode by crashing into them, but it's generally considered a penalty when you do that. So. Not good. Yeah, there, there's no actual weapons to speak of. And I do like the fact that you're on your steering wheel, you've you got all the control pads and you've got all the, you know, all the information is on the steering wheel. So the HUD is more or less non-existent, isn't it? Exactly. 
There isn't one. <laughs> I don't like HUDs. Never have. So just just put it in the world. It'll be fine. Just put it in the world. Just look, stick an animated texture thing on there that's interactive. Okay. Yeah. Why not? It's been done before. I remember, I remember seeing that very first time. I think it was Jeff Crammon's, um F1 games. Remember those? Uh, like uh, he had a full because he, he basically replicated the steering wheel on F1 cars that was yeah. just coming in at that time. He had a fast computer display on their little tiny steering wheel thing. Yeah, and just replicated that. When I first saw, it, I thought, oh, "Good God!" <laughs> I just didn't know what's going on. I thought, oh, that's a good point. How are they supposed to know what's going on? <laughs> you know, twisting your head, going, "What the?" Okay, but anyway, so. I noticed in the mobile version, you're releasing it in um, episodes. Yes. Episode one, episode two. Uh, why? And is it some kind of form of crowdfunding for you? So the, the episodic release, much like the momentum stuff, is just a workaround for my situation. Right. So one-man show means I'm very much limited on resources. And as much as I'd like to, the idea of just like going dark for three months and just coming out at the end surprise here's a game that that that's <laughs> by bad times in terms yeah. of like funding and <laughs> and to an extent even marketing what the mobile versions allow me to do is you know i can work on x number of levels at a time get them out there see what the feedback is iterate it fix it in the next episode repeat the pattern a few times and then boom out comes the game at the end wow. in practice it didn't really work out that way i mean as soon as i started working on the pc version I looked at it at full res and it's like, yep, those graphics are terrible. I need to redo the whole lot. And, you know, similarly, you know, the handling's had about three rewrites since the last mobile version came out. And, you know, there's been things changed in the design and I had to put progression in there. It, it almost turned into a different game. Right. But the, the fundamentals behind it, just like getting a feel for the market and getting a feel if I'm on the right track, um, the mobile versions were very, very helpful in that. Yeah, you've you've got it's on Android and on uh, iOS. Yep. It works well on on iPads and tablets and stuff. I would venture it works far better because you need that kind of visual because it is a, a gloriously visual game. Sounds a bit of a peculiar thing to say, but there's many <laughs> games out there that quite frankly aren't. Let's say threes, for example. Yeah, visually it's just ridiculous, but. It's great because <laughs> you know it's just you're just matching up numbers and trying to do a stupid math problem which no one can solve. Uh, sorry, <laughs> ranting there. Whereas this Chaos Ride is very much, um, you know, I, I much prefer it on the iPad or tablet as a mobile device because it just it just reeks of that you know um, need that big screen to see where you're going because when you're on a tiny screen, although I've used it on my five S, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, that's so great because it's 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 you you need that depth of field to see where you're going. Sounds yep. a bit peculiar, but and that's why racing games. I don't really get on with them on mobile devices. I like sort of RPGs and tactical RPGs and that sort of stuff. That's great, but when it comes to driving games, so much the minimum I'll go is a is a Vita. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> no, the smallest I'll go. Fair play. I mean, uh, to an extent, I agree with you. I mean, I. You know, I, I developed the game on a on a Samsung Galaxy S3, which is like a big screen for a mobile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a, so I had I've never S3. actually seen it running on like a tiny iPhone 5 before, so I don't know, yeah. you know, what it, it looks like. It's smooth, very smooth. <laughs> and those machines are very powerful, 
but it's yeah. just it's a it's a five. No, now topically speaking, the S the six has come out, and Apple yeah. said, "You like bigger screens? Okay, yeah. here's the bigger screen." Finally, thanks, thanks Apple. Thanks, Apple. Yeah, I've, better late I've, than never. <laughs> yeah, I I had an S two, uh, and I had it for two years. I looked after very, but the battery was just like going. I'm gonna just go for about twenty minutes and then just die. Is that all right with you? How about no? <laughs> so I got, got sounds like pretty much every smartphone I've ever owned. Yeah, it's just the, the battery's like I'm just got really hot for now. Oh, please don't do that. I'm just gonna get really hot. Please, I can't hold you now. Ow! <laughs> for no reason. No reason. You may know. You may know, but I don't know why it does. They just sit there going, "I'm gonna get really hot now." Why? I don't know. Not do anything special. It's gonna get hot. Yep. Uh, the S three does that. Uh, first game I ever built on it. I was playing it for about ten minutes, and then the pad just got too yeah too hot to hold. And I thought, oh my god, I'm literally melting the CPU. This can't yeah. be good. <laughs> I'm gonna put this down now. Yeah, uh, but apparently it's not just me, so I feel a bit better now. No, it's just yeah, random stuff. But <laughs> yeah, Vita's uh, smaller screen. I'll go for a well, game game like yours. Um, uh, so my next next question then it's the last one um, sad I know but uh, <laughs> this is one I give to games that I find um, particularly challenging and Chaos Ride is quite challenging uh, I, I, I found and I, I think uh, what I like to do is get from the developers if they were standing over the shoulder of someone playing remember regressing back to EGX maybe a little bit yeah what is you've only got one shot at this, I'm afraid. I'm not gonna give you a whole paragraph. Okay. What is the one thing, just the one thing you would say to someone who's just sat down in front of your computer or their tablet or what have you, just about to play a chaos ride, what is the one thing you would advise them to do? Okay, so in reference to the final version. Yes, I'd final say, version, of course. Yep. Yeah. So just picture you're driving a rocket powered bobsled in a race against nine other rocket-powered bobsleds that explode if you touch them. Right. If you keep that in mind, just follow your instincts and you'll be about right. Right, so <laughs> the Winter Olympics and you're fine. Yeah. Yes. And then they go, but I, I only watch the, the, you know, the ice skating. I don't mind! <laughs> just something! <laughs> Did you play Winter Olympics? And, you know, no, I didn't. Oh, uh, just watch the ice skating. Just watch the ice skating. <laughs> or the curling. That's the other thing. Curling. No, there's not. The curling's not going to help you with this game. <sighs> but, okay. Yes, you're absolutely right. Just remember, where would you be if that was, if this tube wasn't metal, but actually just this half circle of a piece of ice? Where would you, where would you need to have your bobsleigh to be at maximum speed? That's right. Not there. <laughs> 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 uh, that's that's maybe, brilliant. Yes, exactly what I would say. Well, maybe less of the rockets, though. But I can see your point. It is rocket-like. It reminds me of um, bit, a bit of well, maybe uh, Forsaken. Do you know that game? I don't, but I'll add that to the list of ones to look up. Yeah, look up Forsaken. That was a a racing game as well. It used hover bikes, kind of. But they were like armed, and uh, the, the earth had been blown up for for whatever reasons. It was, the story was ridiculous, and you were, yeah, was, it was the, it was apocalyptic post apocalyptic future where you were you were space you know pirates flying around in these. It was just ridiculous, but it was really really good. It was by acclaim, 
Mate, rest in peace. And uh, it was really good on the N64, but it was best on the PC, of course, at the time. But yeah, it reminds me a lot of that and uh, the kind of feel for it and, uh, and the speed and the arcade-ness of it all, which is something can only be applauded. So, Scott, yeah. where can you currently get this game? Where will you be getting this game? And what formats will it be on, sir? Okay, so the mobile versions yeah. are already out. Um, well, the first two episodes of them are. Um, they're available on Google Play and on the uh, iOS App Store. Um, personally, hand on heart, I'd say wait for the PC version because it's going to be so much better in every way. Yes. Um, PC version, um, I've got it feature complete as of about three o'clock today. So it's so it's, I'd say it's about a month away from release because I really want to sort of polish it and bug fix it and make sure there's no issues with it. Where um, will it be? On your website and then on Steam, hopefully, you're going to get it greenlit and stuff like that, as it were? So, well, this, this is, this is the, uh, the big part of it. So I have a Steam Greenlight page. It's not doing terribly well right now, so any listeners out there want to just hop over there and vote for my game on mass, I'd be very, very grateful so I can actually release this thing. <laughs> um, similarly... If there are any uh, YouTubers out there listening to this who fancy doing a Let's Play of it or something, get in contact with me and we'll sort out some pre-release builds before the thing ships. Obviously, that applies to you as well, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for all the links and details and that stuff, just go to www.sc0ttgames.com and all the relevant details are on there. Brilliant. Format, is it just Windows? Unfortunately, yes. I've right. found a couple of very critical bugs in the Unity engine, which mean I can't do everything I want to do on all platforms yet. So initial release is going to be Windows only. If slash when that takes off and does really, really well, then I'll devote more time and effort into making it work on Mac and Linux. Okay. Yeah, because... Uh... You know, people. I know people who made Steam boxes and stuff like that, including myself. Although I, I cheated, I put, I put, I made it a Windows thing. I know. I just wanted more games on it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, <laughs> it still boots into Steam. Give yeah. me that. So it's still, you, you see the Windows pop up, and then it stops, and it goes into Steam. You wouldn't know any difference. At least no one else can. But uh, yeah, I mean, having having uh, Chaos Ride on a forty six inch telly would be very nice. Yes. <laughs> so I would love to have that to happen. Um, so again, thank you very much for your time, Scott, for for coming on the show and telling us all about it, all your game. Uh, can't believe you did it on your own. Even the music, everything. So the music, yeah, is what is probably the one thing I didn't do. Ah. So um, it was it was donated to me by a by a rock band called the Spin Wires. They saw the mobile version of episode one right. and contacted me through my uh, website and said, you know, we like the look of this game. Feel free to use our album free of charge. So I did. <laughs> That's amazing. That's brilliant. Spin wires. Very good. Okay. Well, obviously it fitted. Did you, did you, did you agree? Did it, does it, well, clearly it does. Otherwise uh, it wouldn't have taken them on, taken their music on, but, uh, Oh, you mean in terms of how it fits with the style? Yeah. Of the, oh, definitely. I mean, <laughs> By, by sheer chance slash perfect serendipity, it's the kind of stuff I'd normally listen to, and it's the kind of stuff that I imagined would go well with the game. So, <laughs> I, I got lucky that day. That's, there that's it is, it. yeah. 
There it is. All right, well, best of luck with the green light. It's it's not easy. I understand steam. There's, there's been rumours for it. They want to kill it off, but I don't know how or why they want to do that. But there it is. Um, oh, as you know, oh, there's probably a whole debate for another time on the merits of green lighting things, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which, which we really don't have time for. Um, we could do another hour just on that. We could do another hour just on that. But um, again, wish you best of luck. And uh, yes, it's his. Here's, here's to you and, and Chaos Ride. Thanks for making it. Thanks very much. Cheers. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer, you listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Bye!